Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 472. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so happy to have you with us today. And I am thrilled to introduce our guest, Amani Roberts. Amani is the chief musical curator from the Amani Experience, and I can't wait to just include you in our awesome chat. But Amani, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Oh, you're so welcome. I would love, since you know your story better than anybody else possibly could, if you would introduce yourself better than I have done and let us know how you got to where you are today. Well, thank you. Your introduction was very nice as well. I'll add on to it. My name is Amani Roberts. I'm known in the DJ world as DJ Amro, and I've been a DJ for over 10 years now. I grew up on the East Coast of the U.S. in uh, the Washington, D.C. area, and I grew up in hotels. I used to work for Marriott Hotels for almost 20 years. And throughout that time period, there was a time when I was in college back in 1995 when I saw a DJ by the name of Bismarck E, and I was completely just captivated by what he did. And so that was when I decided to be a DJ. But I kind of chose to do the traditional corporate route. So I went to finish school and started working for Marriott across the country. I worked in D.C., Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, Dallas, and Los Angeles in a variety of positions, including general manager of hotel, um, director of marketing of three or four hotels, and then regional director of sales and marketing. All along the way, when I was in different cities, I would always go to watch the different DJs play and just watch and kind of look and take notes. And once I got here to California, something about living in California and Los Angeles where, you know, you want to kind of follow your dreams and entrepreneurship is really heavily kind of encouraged. So I decided to go for it and started my company, the Amani Experience, on the side. And so I was doing both for about three or four years. And then a little over six and a half years ago, I went full time with my business. And right now what we do is I DJ events. It could be a corporate event for, at a conference. It could be a wedding. It could be a party. I do all types of events, experiential events. I teach people how to DJ. I have students. I have a really cool new activity called Wheels of Steel with the Imani Experience where we do team building. It's lots of fun. So it's a team building activity instead of your traditional ropes course. So we do that. We create you original music. You said Wheel music. of Steel? That sounds scary. <laughs> Wheels of Steel. That's kind of the, you know, the name for turntables and DJing is kind of an old oh. school name for it. So that's where we're, we're tapping into the history and the lore. So we do that. We create original music and remixes. We have one remix EP that came out last August and another one that's going to come out probably in the next month. So we do that. And I'm trying to think what else. I think that's pretty much what we do. And so that's what I am. I'm a DJ, a music producer, a professor. That's what I do. <laughs> so I have to go back to when you were doing both hotel corporate job and building your business. When did you sleep? Did you? <laughs> I did sleep because I had to sleep. Otherwise, I couldn't function. I just uh-huh. I just tried to make time and I would do gigs in the evening and I would try to learn. And really what the turning point was, was that once I left Merritt, I went to Scratch Academy, which is like this DJ academy. It's like getting your master's in DJing. And so I, I left Marriott and then started Scratch Academy about six 
months later. And that really turned my kind of career on a real big upswing. But back in the day, I would just sleep and try to figure out how to do it and just juggle my time and just make it happen. Wait, so Scratch Academy is a real thing? Oh, most definitely. It's a real thing. Have you heard of the hip hop group, legendary hip hop group Run DMC? I have. Okay, so the DJ from that group, Jam Master J, started this academy in New York. I want to say it's been about 12 or 13 years now. And then unfortunately, he was murdered about six or seven months after he started the academy, but they kept it going. It came out to LA, and I was introduced to it by a really close friend of mine who thought I should go and check it out to kind of improve my skills. And it's a real school. It's in many cities now. I want to say it's in like Philly, New York, LA, Atlanta, Chicago. And maybe Miami now, so it's grown. And it's just like a place where you can go and learn how to DJ. They take you through an intense curriculum. I went twice. I went for the DJ school and the music production school. And so I just really kind of invested in myself. And that really has changed the game, so to speak, for my DJing career and my networking. And it's just been amazing. Wow. Well, I have to tell you that I am musically disinclined. Not only can I not sing... I mean, I could, but it would be painful for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't play. Well, I can sort of play the piano, but I haven't done that in years. But I gave birth to a child who is musically just amazing. And he's deaf in one ear. So he just, the universe, God works in mysterious ways, but he can hear a song once and just pick it up. But after, this is totally not related to what you do <laughs> directly. After I met my husband, he introduced me to DJ Hero on PS3. And it was yes. just a riot because he would be on the highest level and I would be on beginner and just my inability to have rhythm. But <laughs> I, I remember, I mean, there's pictures somewhere in the vault, very well locked up, of me sitting on the floor and trying to perfect my skills so that I could at least try to have some chance. But that's actually how I got introduced to Tiesto. Is that how you pronounce Tiesto? Yes, yes definitely. And we actually walked down the aisle, not up the um, exited when we, after we got married, we walked down the aisle to Tiesto. But oh, I had choice. only been introduced because of DJ Hero and my husband. <laughs> nice. Do you do you remember what Tiesto song you had for your recessional? Yeah. Oh, it was something about love. Um, okay. I was just playing. That's not the name. Oh, my gosh. I actually just downloaded it to my phone the other day because I was going through my Apple library. Apple, don't sue me. I know I'm not saying it right. <laughs> I am not up on their lingo, right? But... <laughs> I turned it on and he turned around and he just gave me a huge smile. I'm going to have to look that up. But yeah, I I was never introduced to any of this. Like I knew what a DJ was, but I thought it was limited to who plays the song on songs on the radio. Right. 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 I had no idea that there was more. Oh, there's plenty more. There's a lot out there. And, you know, it's never too late to get started. So you can always kind of start today after our interview and you never you you surprise at how fast you improve. Mm. I, I'll let you think that. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I'll stick with the marketing funnels, I think. That, that part's really fun. I'm not exactly related, but my husband actually, he was in the service. He was in the Air Force and he was stationed in Korea for a little bit. And he convinced the... It's not a general. See, I was never in the service either, so I don't know all the rankings. The head guy in charge of the base where he was at in South Korea. Yeah, South Korea, right? Because North Korea wouldn't have an American base in it. No. 
I don't follow politics. <laughs> it just, yeah, it's too much for me. Not over my head, but I mean, just way too negative. Anyway, he convinced him to let him throw a rave on base. A drug-free rave, but he was the DJ. So there's pictures of him in the vault. We might have to take these out just because now I'm not being fair. Where he's got like funky contact lenses on with different colors. and But he he introduced me to all this stuff. What is your favorite part about what you do today? Is there one favorite part? There's a few favorite parts. Just on the specific DJing side, if I'm playing at a party or an event and we have the crowd, I'm connected with the crowd and we, we're kind of building a vibe together and I put on a song and then I cut the volume and they still sing along to the song, that makes me very happy. That's like one of the best feelings ever. So I love that feeling when you're working with the crowd and they're giving you back the energy. That's amazing. I love being able to do remixes and kind of twisting and changing up a song that's been done before and people come up to me like oh I've heard this song before but not this version I like it I love that as well and then as when I'm teaching people whether it be my students or even in the team building activity and they kind of like the light bulb goes off and they get a certain concept and and then they can put it into practice I really love that as well those are three things that really cause me to love what I do I can see that totally because I've been at concerts where they the performer just stops and the whole crowd is still singing in it. Yeah. It, it's like goosebumps, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. That's the best feeling. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned while you were building your business besides just take the plunge? Is there anything you see? I told you I stack questions. Is there anything <laughs> you would go back and tell yourself to change if you could do it again? I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned was just resilience. I always talk about this, but like stick with it because, you know, in school and Scratch Academy, like you had some ups, but you had some downs too. So definitely stick with it, which I did, which was good. Um, so resilience, just don't be afraid to be you in terms of the musical genres that you like to play and that really fill you up. That's important as well. And looking back, anything I that I would have done differently, maybe just not be afraid to start sooner. Like I waited until I was 33, I want to say, 32 years old, 31, 32 to start when I had the idea when I was 20, 21, but I just didn't think it was a realistic career. So I would say, just don't wait to get started. Like, it's okay to get started. It's a legitimate career. So let's let's get going. Let's go. Oh, it is a legitimate career. I yeah. I have to tell you, I did just pull up my phone. No, it's not always off listeners. Now it's probably going to vibrate about 10,000 times. Love Comes Again. That was the song. Uh, good song. All right. Yeah. That's a unique choice, too. So well done. Yeah. Well, we had both been with not our perfect mate before we met each other. So yeah. it was totally appropriate for us. But I love how you brought up it is a career because not to keep on circling it back to me, but my husband, he was 32 when he made his big career shift and he went back to school to become an independent video game designer and developer. We don't really think, same with music, same with where the ambiance, ambiance, I guess it depends on where you are, right? How they say it, tomato, tomato, is coming <laughs> from. But people don't always necessarily think about where the games they're playing are coming from. You know, like Minecraft came from a one person studio. But yeah. even behind Minecraft, there's the music that goes into it. So I would love to hear more about DJing as a profession and just everything that you can do from it. Because, I mean, 
you're teaching team building skills to people, there's so much more. I mean, you have to know how to grow your community and grow your tribe. I mean, I would imagine that you've got people who are following you from one location to the other because they love what you do and they, is groupies the appropriate word, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would say, and I don't say call them groupies. We'll just say fans, you know, or, yeah. or friends of the brand. We won't say groupies because that has a little bit of a negative connotation back from the rock and roll days. Does but it? A little bit. But, you know, these are just fans, just people who like the music that I spin. And so they want to come and see me when I'm out at a club or a bar. So we'll just say fans for this time. Works for me. <laughs> but like being a DJ, as you have spoken to already, it opens up just a whole world of op- opportunities for you. You can, of course, DJ events. Like I said before, it could be corporate events. It could be weddings like your wedding. It could be birthday parties. You can do that, you know, and then DJs can also like the DJ from Tribe Called Quest. So Ali Shahid Muhammad, he's a world famous DJ. He's produced, he's DJed for his hip hop group, the Tribe Called Quest. But he also is like, I'm not sure the exact title, but he's like a music, he's a music producer, but then he also kind of works with the TV show Luke Cage that's on Netflix and he kind of selects all the music, a music supervisor is what it's called. So he like picks all the music that is played at the specific times in the show. And so that's like a great career where you can do that in TV or film or movies and everything. That's an and art so, in its own. Oh, definitely. That's definitely an art. So that's really one way you can do it, you can be on the radio and DJ, the traditional performer of DJing. You can do that. You can also teach people like I do. You can do remixes. You can create original music. A lot of times now what we'll see is that music producers want to learn how to DJ so that they can play their songs out in like festivals where the reverse is true as well. DJs can also learn to be music producers so that they can create their own edits. They can create their own remixes so that their sets are very unique. So there's just a plethora of opportunities that you can be once you're a DJ and the career. You can also produce and create music for video games, which is a really big industry as well, whether it be the games that you have on your phone or the games that you can play on your Xbox or your or Xbox or your PlayStation as well. So there's so much to do. It's it's you can't get to it all, but you can try to do some of it very well and then grow from there. I love how you brought up that you can't do it all because so many entrepreneurs try to do it all. Did yes. you struggle at all with that? I think initially, not really. Like now I've kind of like I DJ events, I do that. And then I do the remixing and the music producing. And that's like a good kind of one, two punch there. That's something good where you can kind of manage that and go from there. If I try to do something else even more, I feel that my DJing skills or music production skills might suffer. So I have to kind of stay focused. I have two right now. Maybe you can add on a third thing, but I want to make sure it's all related. So say, for example, I get a chance to maybe someone has an independent movie or a short film that they need some help with music supervision. I might try to add add that on, but that would probably get me to my limit, so to speak. Um, I just really want to make sure that what I'm doing always comes back to DJing. So, for example, I had the opportunity this fall to be a professor at Cal State University Fullerton. And so the good thing is that the subject is entertainment money management. So that's something that I've experienced on the hospitality side and then currently as a DJ. So I can speak to that. And it's still related to the DJ career. So it's it kind of fits. So I just want to make sure whatever I choose to do still fits. And so far, I've had success doing that. Wow. I know a thing about... <laughs> those limits. I don't know if you've heard me mention it before or listeners, if this is your first episode, I call it chronic idea disorder, where 
I get all these ideas that of things that I want to do, and I'll try to do way too many of them at one time, and then I wind up with a whole bunch of 95% complete, if even 95% complete stuff. And then, you know, nothing is done. We just have to watch it. <laughs> yes, we do. What are the hell yeses in your business and the hell no's? Have you set up those for yourself that you know these are opportunities I will take, these are opportunities I won't? I think that, let's see here, some hell yeses would be like opening up for like a singer pre-concert. So like being the opening DJ for a singer at a concert, that's amazing. I'd do that in a second. I think, you know, DJing at like a really popular club, whether it be here in LA or across the world, that's like a hell yes. Doing a remix for an artist when they request that, you know, my remix partner and I do a remix for them, that's like a hell yes. What else? If someone wants to learn DJing, whether it be a kid who's 10 or 11 years old or an adult who's 65 or 70 years old and they want to learn how to DJ, that's definitely a hell yes. Definitely. I'm all over that. So those are some hell yeses. Hell no might be someone who has an event and they just don't have the budget to pay or it's just going to be out in the sun or just, you know, some events where they want to DJ, but they just don't have the budget. I just can't do that. That's not going to be fun. I'm going to be a little resentful. That would probably be the only hell no is if someone approaches me and wants to do an event, have a DJ, but they just don't have the budget. I just want to make sure that anytime I'm out DJing, I love it. And so that would be a hell no. That's probably the only hell no right now I can think of. That's amazing. So what artists would you most love to hit your inbox or your phone next? And say, let me open up for them as the DJ? Uh-huh. Ooh. Ooh, Mariah Carey, number one. If SWV had a kind of reunion concert, they'd be number two. Ooh, Babyface. If Babyface was having like a concert, you know, tour or whatever, and he would need a DJ to open up. Oh, yes. Babyface him. Keith Sweat would be another one. I love like 90s R&B and hip hop. And so that's what I grew up on. So that Mm -hmm. I could list names forever. Stevie Wonder would be good. Many, many people. Those are probably the top four right now. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah, because a couple others aren't with us anymore. So that would be disappointing. But yeah, yeah, we'll start with that list. And if I think of any more, I will share some more names with you. So I experienced the 80s and 90s as well. And not just through listening to, you know, the oldie station, quote, (laughs) oldie station, okay, which is how my kids get to appreciate it now. But Listeners, I'm being very transparent here. I was born in 79, so you can date me whenever you are listening to this. Last week, my 15-year-old was playing a game, and I heard him say, you can't touch this. (laughs) (laughs) So being the mom that I am, like, this is chronic idea disorder. I was distracted by a squirrel. I was trying to work, but I had to go to YouTube and pull up MC Hammer and just turn it up all the way and make them listen to it it's like this is what you get you put this thought into my head now you get to listen to what comes out of it Mm -hmm. what song do you most associate with when you were growing up like what's the first song that pops into your head from your childhood oh let's see here the first song when i think about that pops up from my childhood it would probably be rick james cold-blooded because that was the first 45, the little itty bitty record that I owned. Mm-hmm. And, and so that would be one that pops up. I'm trying to think what else. And then I think it's George Duke, After the Love is Gone. I believe that's the name of the song because my dad used to play that every Saturday morning on the stereo downstairs. That's another one. 
And then he used to also love Before I Let Go, Frankie Beverly and Mays, and Never Too Much Luther Vandross. Those are four that I just, because my dad introduced me to music. Unfortunately, he passed away about 13 or 14 years ago. But he's the one who introduced me to music, showed me music. And so that's where my first memories are of the music he used to play. Mm. We might have to make a playlist to put in the show notes, just of the music that's been mentioned in this episode. I remember driving down the road with my father. My mother listened to classical, it would drive my sister and I crazy because we just, it would put us to sleep. I respect it now, but it just wasn't our gem then, okay? But I remember driving down the road with my dad and Lean On Me was constantly being played on the radio at this time. And I just called to say I love you. Like I, oh, it's yeah. probably, and I just remember driving down the road repeatedly with him, and those songs would always come on, and he would lean on us when "Lean on Me" came on, and I think yeah. I lost a tooth during one of those experiences because I was <laughs> eating an apple in the car, and I just remember <laughs> that song, and I remember losing my tooth to the apple. Now, what was it? The Bill Withers version of "Lean on Me," or was it Club Nouveau's version of "Lean on Me"? It would have been in the late '80s, early so, late '80s. So, so probably, probably Bill Club Nouveau. Oh, you probably think Club so? Nouveau. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, yeah but I do, I do love the Bill Withers version. Yes. It's yeah. funny you funny you mentioned that because I just volunteered for a whole week at this DJ camp for kids called Camp Spinoff. And so we had this activity, this DJ, DJ As Is, had this activity where people would play songs from their childhood and they would talk about the memories that come up. Mm. And Lean On Me was the last song that we played for that activity. And so we all ran over and sang it together. And then we had a silent disco the last night. And the final song was Lean On Me. So all the kids who are like 11, well, not 11, but like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, they all knew the song. And so they all were singing along with it as well. So that song has translated across many age demographics. So that's ironic that you mention it. I just got goosebumps thinking about that. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. I have to send you a video. Yeah, please. What's a silent disco, though? So a silent disco is where you have these headphones that you put on. It's for an event. And then there's three different stations or DJs. And we had, I think we had three or four different DJs. And so like you have like the red station, which might be a DJ playing like old school hip hop. You might have the blue station. A DJ will be playing like rock and roll. And then you might have like the green station, which would be someone playing like pop or reggae or salsa. And so the kids can just dance and then they switch the station. Kids or adults, they switch the station, can listen to whatever else they want and so it's quiet so you, we had it outdoors at nighttime but it was quiet and people were just dancing and singing along so it's funny when you look at it because you you won't hear anything but then you'll see people like singing or blurting out the lyrics and sometimes they'll be jumping all together because they're all on the same channel so you'll see like a sea of red or a sea of blue or a sea of green and they're dancing the whole song and they just love it because you know our attention nowadays is a little bit shorter than it used to be, but this kind of fits into that. So they can switch to different stations and like the music. And it's just, it's a, it's fun. It's crazy, but it's, it's really cool. I could use one of those in my house. <laughs> Five <laughs> kids, everybody listening to their own things. I mean, let's just be honest. I could use some headphones in my house. <laughs> my kids got up, my littles at least got up way too early this morning. So I let them out and I went back to bed. I know, yeah. bad thing. They're, they're three-year-old yeah. twins and a four-year-old. But the first thing that they all did was went and grabbed the first phone that they could find. And they, they know the pin code. So they went to YouTube Kids. And I hear three different YouTube Kids shows or videos playing. And I'm like, oh. And then they keep <laughs> on coming in. They put the phone right next to my ear. So it's like 
blaring because they don't. You can tell them eighteen thousand times to turn down the volume, but they don't listen. Right, right. But, yeah, they love they love their phones, so mm-hmm. you have to meet meet them halfway. Yep. But Mama, get me some cereal, and then I'm hearing like. <laughs> plug for Ryan's Toys, although I'm not getting paid for it, but I hear Ryan's Toys playing in the background. What would you say is your theme song right now? So my theme song right now, hmm. Let me see. That's that's a good question. If I was going to pick a theme song, I might pick like the old Diddy and May song, like Can't Hold Me Down. Just that song right now, because, you know, You're just trying to keep growing and, you know, you might fall down. They say you fall down seven times, get up eight times. So, you know, just keep at it. Be resilient. Be persistent. Because as entrepreneurs and in the DJ world, you get knocked down your fair share, but you just have to stick with it because good things will happen. It might not happen in the order you expect it to. But if you can just keep coming back and stick with it, I think that's a great solution. And that's kind of where my mind frame is. My mindset is right now. Oh, my gosh. There is so much truth in that especially the might not happen in the order you expect it to. So I'm curious when you moved from the Washington area across country, did the music change a lot or Uh, was it consistent? So what you hear on the radio, because the radio stations, they kind of play the same playlist across the country are similar. But what you'll get is that there's certain times on the radio where there'll be certain mix shows where the DJ will come in and mix. So I was just visiting like D.C. and Philly last week. And so D.C. go-go music is really big. It's popular. It's made popular back in the day by Chuck Brown, the godfather of go-go. You might know Experience uh-huh. Unlimited. EU, The Butt was probably the most commercial song. It's really popular in D.C. So, of course, in the mix shows, I would hear that music. So I was like, oh, I got to get this song got to get that song. So if you look for it and if you kind of listen to specific shows on the radio in different areas of the country, you'll hear music that is most attributed to that city. So that, I heard that in Philly because Philly's got great like lyricists and rappers. So you heard it there, DC with the go-go music. And then out, out here in LA with like the West Coast funk and hip hop. So if you can look, dig a little deeper than the radio, but hear some of the live shows and some of the DJs that are specific to the city, that's where you can find the uniqueness of the music in the specific cities. You just have to look a little bit harder for it now compared to back in the day when it was a little bit easier to find. Oh, I can totally see that. I moved here. I'm outside of Dayton, Ohio, and I moved here from outside of New York City in 2002. And I felt like I was thrust into a country melting pot. (laughs) I mean, in my office that I worked at, people were allowed to have their radio on and my cubicle mate had on the country station. So, and that was just nothing that I had grown up with. You can, to listeners who haven't had to immerse themselves in country, you can learn to appreciate it. And I... (laughs) I'm sorry, that sounded really mean, but it took a while because it was a little bit painful at first. But I I do appreciate it now. Yeah. I mean, there have been times when I've had to play a country set. I respect the songwriting for Mm -hmm. country artists like to no other because they can write a great love song. Yeah. I'm I'm partial to love songs. So, you know, there's a place for it wherever we go. Mm -hmm. Now, I do have one last question about songs for you. I already asked you about your theme song. But if you had to choose one song that would wake you up every morning, what would it be? (laughs) 
I'm going to say Bustin' Loose by Chuck Brown, because that's an upbeat song. It's got lots of instruments, and it's like, you know, let's go. So that's mm. the song I would pick. <laughs> yeah. In our house, we've been watching, it feels like, repeat, The Greatest Showman. Okay. Have you have you seen it? I've seen previews for it, but I haven't seen the show yet. Oh, it's amazing. And the soundtrack is amazing, too. And it's... It, so that's actually what I have on, on my iPhone. Yes, some people would argue that I shouldn't be waking up with my phone, but I do. But that's what, I have various songs from the soundtrack that will wake me up because it's just very uplifting. What are you most excited about in the next 90 days? In the next 90 days, I'm excited about doing a couple Wheels of Steel DJ team building events with corporate clients. That's a segment of my business I'm trying to grow, so I'm excited to do that. I'm also excited for two remixes that we're working on to release those in the next 90 days. And so I think those are the two things that I'm most excited about, kind of looking forward. And then I have my podcast as well. So we have a couple really exciting episodes coming up. Like I had the chance to interview the legendary DJ Z Trip last week. So I'm excited to share that episode. So, yeah, those are three things that I'm excited about in the next 90 days. How did you get into podcasting? Podcasting. So back in, let me think here, in 2008, when I first started DJing, I created a podcast called Mirth and a Dear, and it was about love songs and dedications. Mm. So people would call this little voicemail and leave like dedications, like I want to dedicate this song to someone. So I put it on. Eventually, it evolved to me interviewing musicians. So I interviewed Grammy winning musicians like Raheem Devon, Melanie Fiona, Donnell Jones, and a lot of other indie artists. And so that's how it evolved. And I had up, I did it for about three and a half years and I stopped when I went to Scratch Academy. Then last year, almost a year ago now, I was with the business coach and I wanted to become and continue to become more than just a DJ. I want to be known as like a thought leader in the space, both in the DJ world and the creative world. And so a podcast was like a natural transition for me because I can do all the original music on my podcast. I have the equipment. It kind of fits in with what I do. Plus, it really helps me with my speaking and like emceeing. So it really helps me kind of fine tune those skills. And so that's how I started my round two of the podcast. And now I just interview people who have worked in corporate America before, but have taken the creative leap to do something else, which is my story. So I love to share that story and other people's stories with people who are listening so that it can motivate people who might be thinking about it, but might be scared or fearful to take the plunge. Because it took me three and a half, four years to get the courage to do it. And so I would want, if someone is thinking about it right now, maybe I don't want them to wait as long because it's possible. So that's how I got into podcasting initially. And that's what brought me to my current podcast. Thank you so much for that, because so many people need to hear that message, the don't wait. What would be the one thing that you would say to wait for if somebody's looking to take the plunge? I would say wait until you're very sure of what you want to do and at least have a little bit of a game plan together and some money saved up. So just wait for that. Like have a little money saved up. You can do some other items like side hustles to keep you going and just wait till you kind of have your idea fully fleeced out mm -hmm. and then go for it. But don't wait too long because, you know, the sooner you start, the sooner you can learn and, and continue to grow. Absolutely. I agree. However, I didn't have money saved up. I, I was <laughs> not I was not expecting for this business to take off like it did. But it did. So, it so did. here we are. Here we yeah. are. 
Yeah. What has been the most inspirational book that you've read? The most inspirational book that I've read, number one, would have to be Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm, I love that you brought that up. Yes, yes. I love that book. And I listen to it so I can get to hear her read it as well. And I, I love that one. And then I'm going to look at my phone because just with Elizabeth Gilbert, like the way she talks about being creative and just, just writing and then her story is just very inspiring, very motivating. So that's one. And then there's one that I listen to maybe like once every quarter. And it's by the professional speaker and famous speaker Les Brown is called The Power of Purpose. That's just an amazing one. It's like 12 chapters and he's just inspiring you in every chapter and telling great stories. So between those two books, I'll listen to them probably, you know, a couple times a year at least. And they really kind of fill me up and keep me going. I love that you brought up Big Magic. I have not read The Power of Purpose, but it's on my list. <laughs> but I recommend listening to that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. definitely. Well, I, I read right before bed because I, I try to get away from my all electronics. So I actually have paper books that I. Yeah. And highlighters if my kids don't run away with them. But <laughs> yeah, I thank you. Amazon is getting some money from me today. Thanks to you, because that will be next. But I love how you brought up big magic, because that's one of the things that she talks about is when you have that idea. And if you just sit on it, I mean, she even brings up the example of didn't she come up with a idea for a book and she just wasn't sure about it. And then she let it go. And her good friend, yes, and Patchett, is that the right name? Yes. It is. Ended up writing the book, and it was like a New York Times bestseller. Yes. She tells that story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it sometimes, because I've been sitting on the idea of my book, and I've started writing it, but I've been talking about it here on the podcast for two years. I'm not going to let it go, but I'm like, what are we waiting for? I mean, I told <laughs> listeners I would have it done by Labor Day of this year. By the time this episode's done, it will be past Labor Day. And I'll tell you, the book's not done <laughs> well, <laughs> with a month to go. I, but we have to do things when it feels right. Do you agree? I agree. I agree. And I think that you'll know when it's time to write it. And then when you sit down, it won't take you very long to write it at all. And then to continue with the big magic theme, are you aware of her two-season podcast she did that was a follow-up to the book? Yeah, I was. I listened to it. Oh, it was amazing. So what you just described reminded me of what I'm trying to think of the author that wrote The Lake at the End of the Lane. Neil Gaiman, I think is how you pronounce his name. He was in an episode and he talked about just what you said about how you wait, you're waiting to write your book and it could be a year, two years. But once you sit down, I can't say it in his British accent, but once you sit down and write that book in 30 days, you'll look up and you'll have a book that's done. You're like, what took me so long? So what you said just reminded me of that. So that episode in that specific Big Magic podcast really kind of resonated with what you just said. Well, circling back to something that we talked about earlier, you were talking about, you know, you'll stop at three because or else you just have too much that you're working on. And that's been a struggle throughout my whole business is I was trying to work on too much. And just in the last couple months, I've been building my team. Pardon the cat. <laughs> this cat has decided that I am his human and he will just cry until I let him climb up onto me. But positive productivity is not about perfection. And sometimes it includes cats. Anyway, I realized that with delegating more and more to team members that I'm able to free up my mind to do all the things that I really want to be doing. And I'm getting some of my creative spark back because I'm just not so stressed by everything that I was trying to do that I shouldn't have been doing. 
So it's been amazing. And I can, I can start to, f- like, I feel like it's about time, but there's still a few things that I do need to let go of. And hopefully that will happen really soon. Do you have a team? So the team I have is I have a team of DJs that will work different events with me or for me. So I have that person, those people as part of my team. I have a remix partner. So we are a team together. We do our remixes together. And then I have like an admin that will help me with a lot of administrative duties. I do need to figure out how to use my admin a little better because I have to do that. And then I have like a graphic designer that helps me with the graphics for like my podcast and things like that. So I have different people on my team that kind of help me do different things. I do still need to continue to build the team out just have to figure out what I need help with more that will free me up. So it's still a work in progress. That's been a struggle for me is getting the right team going all at the same pace at the same time. Yes. I just want to thank you so much for being here to join me today because I I wasn't expecting, to be totally honest, for us to cover so much. I mean, I just never really thought about all the different ways that DJs do work in the world. And it's not work. Do you consider what you do work, by the way? Well, I love it so much that many days it does not feel like work. There's sometimes when there are more challenging events where it does feel like work. But for the most part, this is not work because I've worked before. Like I've done a corporate nine to five. I worked in hotels, done night audit shift. That's work. This is a little different, but we still work. It's just different. What can we call it, though, besides work? Because I feel the same way about what I do. It's not work. I say let's call it getting paid for having fun. Ooh, I like that. And actually, I want to invite the listeners to come over to the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP472 and share what you get paid for that is fun for you. And then also let us know what your theme songs are. Doesn't that sound like a great idea? I want to, I want to know what the theme songs are <laughs> of the listeners. Yes. Put them there and give us a nice YouTube link that we can click on and listen to. Oh, Absolutely. Amani, where can listeners get in touch with you, contact you online, and just get to know more about you and all all of your awesomeness? They can find me on all social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. It's just at Amani Experience, and it's A like Apple, M like Mary, A like Apple, N like Nancy, I, the word experience, all one word. My website is AmaniExperience.com. And if you want to keep in touch, you can follow me at the bottom of my website. You can put your email address in there, and I do a monthly newsletter where I highlight top seven most requested songs I've had that month. I talk about the podcast episodes that we've released, any appearances I've made. And then I also will send you kind of a free playlist as well as the top 10 lessons that I've learned by doing my podcast. And then you can also find me if you look up the Amani Experience podcast on like the iTunes or Google Play and you can listen to my podcast and tell me what you think about that too. We're on that and Spotify and YouTube and that's how people can find me. Fabulous. Now, if you're sitting in rush hour traffic in LA or working out right now, you can find all of these awesome links at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP472. Please don't be playing on your phone and driving. (laughs) Amani, I just want to thank you so much again. This has been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure speaking to you and learning more about you and sharing some of my music selections and my experiences with your audience. I'm really appreciative. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with the listeners? 
I think my parting piece of advice would be kind of similar to the theme we've discussed throughout the entire episode is that if you have an idea or a business that you want to start, might be a little bit out of the norm, I still say go for it. Just, you know, get a plan, start to make it happen, go for it. And then when you eventually hit some, you know, bumps in the road, just stick with it. I'm really big on kind of resilience. So just stick with what you're doing. It'll work out and do your best to surround yourself with a tribe of people that can support you. I think that's very important and that's helped me. So if you go for it and you have persistence and resilience and surround yourself with a tribe of people, I think that either in the short term or the long term, you'll be successful. So let's go. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.